Welcome to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. So glad you're with us. Welcome uh, from wherever you are all around the world. Many of you are joining us at goodlifetelevision.org. Some of you right here in Santa Barbara on TV Santa Barbara. And then you can find us on all the social media platforms. And we're so glad you are. Good Life is about the good stuff. And, and that doesn't always mean the easy stuff, by the way. Um, as our story today, we'll, we'll talk about my, my guest is Victoria Strong. Uh, Victoria is a disability advocate, a writer, a speaker, and the executive director of the Gwendolyn Strong Foundation, um, and the proud mother of three. Her, uh, after her six-month-old daughter, Gwendolyn was diagnosed with spinal muscular at atrophy, type 1. Uh, Victoria and her husband Bill created the Gwendolyn Strong Foundation, which we're going to hear all about, to do something. Um, and, and so, welcome. Thanks Thank for coming. You. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I love the never give up shirt. Thank uh, you. Yes, that's our mantra. That's <laughs> so good. That's so good. Um, well, first, before we get to Gwendolyn and the foundation, I'll do, tell us a little bit about your background. Did you grow up in Santa Barbara or where are you from? No, um, I was actually born in Texas. Oh, really? In Dallas. Um, and um, my dad's from London. My mom is from Texas slash Mississippi. Okay. <laughs> um, and then um, we moved to California um, when I was six. And then I moved all around California. Um, and when my husband and I met, we in LA, we um, just really wanted to ha live in a smaller community, family, family oriented, and took the leap and moved here without jobs. And then kind of made our path and had Gwendolyn within the next year. So wow. <laughs> we felt like we really found our home here. And, and so Gwendolyn, so 2007, Gwendolyn was born. Was she the yeah. first? She was our first, okay. yes. So uh, walk us through kind of what happened. So mm -hmm. from, from birth to kind of the, the story okay. of, of the early on. Yes, so I had a typical pregnancy. Um, and Gwendolyn um, was born seemingly healthy. Mm -hmm. um, at uh, around three months old, um, I noticed she wasn't reaching out for toys and she was fussing through nursing. So we went to our pediatrician thinking she was caught a cold or something along those lines. Um, thankfully, um, our pediatrician really took it seriously and had us admitted to the hospital because by that night um, she was completely paralyzed. Um, and at the time, they didn't know what it was um, because she had seemed so healthy and she was chunky and so they just didn't know and they thought it was potentially infant botulism. Um, and so we were in the hospital for a month searching for a diagnosis and monitoring her progress and then sent home um, with really not a lot of answers. Mm -hmm. And eventually um, a simple blood test was ordered for a rare disease called spinal muscular atrophy um, that is much like ALS but in babies. Um, so at six months old, she was diagnosed with SMA and um, we received a phone call that literally said, there's nothing you can do. There's no treatment. Um, just love her for what time you have left. Um, we were given maybe a year at the most. Um, fortunately, um, we actually called every SMA expert um, and we were obviously devastated, but we just were hopeful there were other, maybe other answers. Yeah. Um, and while we didn't find that, we did find um, some specialists at Stanford. So within two weeks, we were up at Stanford and at least getting her some medical interventions. Um, and that led to a breathing tube, a, a feeding tube, um, a lot of respiratory help, 
um, and that gave us time. Um, but even they were still not sure, how, you know, what the prognosis was at the time. Um, most children born with SMA um, didn't see their second birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was dire. Um, but also, while we were in the hospital, um, you know, we were scouring the internet as you do and um, learning all about Gwendolyn's care. Um, and while she was sleeping, though, we would talk to every doctor who would talk to us, every researcher, um, just searching for answers. And what we found is. SMA, though rare, was actually, we were very lucky. There were actually quite a lot of researchers studying it, and they actually knew exactly what caused it. Um, and that was, you know, that's far above so many other um, diseases. And so even in the bleakness of where we were, we did feel fortunate. Um, and so that kind of gave us a path. There was legislation going through Congress to help increase research funding. So we poured our energy into that immediately, literally from the hospital. Wow. Um, and then following that success, um, we started the foundation and started raising funding. Because, you know, it, it felt, I'm not a researcher, I can't cure the disease, um, but I could at least help the amazing scientists who were working so hard at it. And they needed funding. And so that, it's really, was that simple. Wow. Um, and, you know, Gwendolyn's care was 24-7, um, around the clock. Um, but the thing that, um, for her, her life never really changed. Um, obviously, for us, it was a massive diagnosis. Um, but she still thought we were her awesome, silly parents. <laughs> And, um, you know, she was such a social butterfly. And from the hospital room, she, every doctor who came over, she made sure that they noticed her as Gwendolyn and not a patient. And she'd work so hard to wiggle her little fingers over to tap them on their hand and oh. get their attention. And so, um, you know, we kind of, we, we took cues from her. Um, and we just made a decision really early on to let her guide us and to live as as well as we could mm -hmm. um, and it turned out Gwendolyn liked to live big <laughs> really yes she constantly challenged us um, you know she was we were told she would be in the hospital with respiratory illness her whole entire life and she actually wasn't she um, was medically fragile but um, she was loved other children and so while we were nervous because of colds um, she just thrived with other children so she went to school full-time um, she was in a full inclusion program in the classroom um, I went wow. with her so that to help make that happen she also had a nurse to help make that happen but the kids just absolutely adored her um, and actually that's kind of where well, our, our first focus was on research. Once we accomplished our goals with that, um, that's actually where the essence of our new project is from, is because of seeing the impact Gwendolyn had on children, typical children, and how um, their lives flourished just as much as hers did. Wow. She lived seven years. Yes, yeah, seven um, years and nine months. She was headed into the third grade. It was the summer before third grade wow. that we lost her. So what did, what did you learn from Gwendolyn? Oh, 
What didn't I? <laughs> we need another T-shirt. Live big. I like. That. I know. Yeah. Never give up. Live big. <laughs> yeah. But what, 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 how would you yeah. characterize what changed in you? I mean, I think. Well, firstly, is a, a radical acceptance. Um, as to me, is brutal. Um, it, you know, while it takes and takes and takes. So we could never actually. Um, get a sense of a new normal. Our new normal was constantly changing. It was degenerative. So, um, you know, she could smile and, and babble in the early years, but all of that was taken out, every movement. So by the time she was seven, the only thing she could move was one finger. Um, but previously she had been able to move so much more. So that's what I mean by just everything was constantly we were constantly readjusting our expectations yeah. and our new normal and I think the only way to kind of survive that is just full radical acceptance and continually to learning to accept um, it doesn't mean you have to like it right. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to be happy about happy about it but um, I think accepting Things allowed us to live um, because I think if we were so hung up on on trying on not accepting what yeah. the situation was um, and um, then I think we, we would have been paralyzed ourselves in being able to allow her to live in the way that she wanted to live yeah. um, we were petrified all the time we saved her life um, almost every single day and that became our new normal um, and but literally, for Gwendolyn, um, you know, she could choke on her own saliva, for example. So um, we would have an incident where she would be perfectly fine and then would turn blue and would be going unconscious and we would save her life and bring her back. And then she would look at us and say, okay, so are we going to the park? <laughs> like, I thought that was what our plan was, let's go. <laughs> I mean, she was wow. nonverbal, but she we she said it in a in with through her eyes. She used her eyes to communicate and sounds, and we used a lot of intuition. But so she had so much acceptance of what her life was that we had to follow her lead. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to perspective. We're gonna follow her lead. We're gonna mm -hmm. let her guide. Yeah, which is a that's a powerful thought. So you, so you started the Gwendolyn Strong Foundation primarily for research, yes. but I know you also have, have helped families getting the diagnosis, is that right? Yes, I mean, I think um, as a rare disease, um, other families often had the answers for even the most um, minute things. Like our, our doctor, our specialist, our SMA specialist who saw thousands of children couldn't tell me how to bathe my child because she couldn't sit up in a baby bath chair or she would oh. choke. So she had to be flat, but then she would drown. So it was those little life things. Yeah. Um, from day one, we learned to um, connect with other families. And so we in turn did that as we learned things. We started sharing on our blog, just tips and tricks. And then that, that soon became, you know, really realizing the financial um, uh, areas that there are just voids um, in order to get out in the world you need an accessible van right. um, those can cost fifty thousand dollars that most people with tons of insurance 
bills they just don't have. Right. But in order to live, you have to be able to get out. So it's just, right. so those were the types of things where we try to fund um, necessities um, so that children could live the life they want. Yeah. Um, and so we've helped over 600 families around the world. Really? Um, with a variety of kind of must-haves. Wow. <laughs> and you guys have raised like $4 million or? Yes, yeah. That's amazing. I, somebody, kind of a mentor person for me one time said, you know, if I could give you a gift, mm -hmm. I'd give you the gift of perspective. Mm. And I've always thought about that. Like, and, and I think and we've been through something not anywhere near the severity and difficulty that you've been through, but we've been through something. Mm -hmm. And our perspective has changed. Absolutely. Has, have you found that? Oh, gosh. Yeah, and perspective is everything. I mean, I think... Yeah. Um, and that comes with the acceptance. I think, you know, on Gwendolyn's great days, I, my perspective would blossom. And on our hard days, I was grateful, you know, to be able to show her the fresh air outside, right. you know, to live in Santa Barbara where we could go out on a walk almost year round. You know, those small little things, really all children try and teach us. Right. Um, you know, they are mesmerized by life and we often are too busy right. to notice right. um, their wonder. And Gwendolyn, because our life slowed down so much, allowed me to really ha gain that new perspective, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, that's such a gift. Let's talk about the playground. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're, we're sitting in Santa Barbara, California, and, and there is a project uh, that Victoria and, and others are working on um, called Gwendolyn's Playground. <laughs> which is in in process but tell us this is a an inclusive mm -hmm. um, a new kind a new kind of playground where everyone belongs you have a site picked out uh, here in Santa Barbara but talk about the vision for this playground so this really um, is has been very organic um, we with Gwendolyn we live just up the road from Kids World which is a wonderful local playground. Um, and we quickly learned in taking her and trying to push her wheelchair through the bark, um, just how challenging um, access is. I just yeah. didn't know. Um, and I think that that's true of most of us. Most yeah. of us just don't realize how inaccessible the simple playground is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Gwendolyn was all joy and wanted to be amongst her peers and wasn't really able to without a lot of effort. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned her experience with um, her peers at school and what, you know, I actually had a wonderful experience with a play, on a play date in kindergarten. And um, we went to the park and um, the little girl grabbed Gwendolyn's hand and wanted to go up on the play structure with her but there were stairs, so it, that's impossible. And here, this little five-year-old put it so innocently and perfectly, I don't understand. You have a ramp that comes out of your van to let Gwendolyn go in. Why can't we have a ramp up to the playground <laughs> so I can go play with my friend? Yeah. And it was that simple, or it really is that simple. Yes, we should have that. Yeah. And so that became um, you know, just kind of something in our heart that we knew needed to exist in Santa Barbara. Um, Gwendolyn's life was really inclusive here and people believe in inclusion here and an in acceptance of all. 
Um, and so I think it's just, an, it's been an element that we didn't know was missing. And so um, when Gwendolyn died, it was also at the same time that we, the FDA approval for um, research that we funded um, was making its way through its final phase. And oh, really? that research has become um, a remarkable treatment if given at birth. Some even call it a potential cure. Children, given that within weeks of birth, are walking, talking, no breathing assistance, typical, really? completely typical lives. And so when we realized we had accomplished our goal of changing the disease, <laughs> right. and you know, coinciding with losing Gwendolyn and obviously wanting to carry on her legacy of just being such a light and um, to others, we immediately said, okay, we're gonna build this playground. Um, it took me about a year to be, to know of grieving, to know I was gonna, you know, to be able to have the courage to um, be able to tackle this. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it would be job. a long, it would be a yeah. long process and cost a lot of money. And so we're five years in now. And um, the amazing thing is the response to this playground has just been incredible from day one. I. I was concerned I would have to fight for it, and that's why I kind of took that space. I wasn't ready to have to fight another battle, yeah. um, and instead, it's been the opposite. From the you know diff various committee groups that and um, you know people who have to approve things, they've we've had unanimous support from the beginning. The community has gotten so behind it. Schools, it's just lovely um, yeah. to. Um, have everyone believe um, in the way that I do that um, every child deserves to play um, yeah. and I think honestly you cannot get more basic than that I mean right. play, is, play is, is childhood right. and so if we um, our goals are big um, we knew we didn't want to just address accessibility we wanted to think about our many friends with sensory processing disorders and autism and adults with disabilities who often don't have a lot of spaces to go to. Um, we wanted to think about elderly. Um, we looked at so many models, and in the European model, there's so much multi-generational play. Mm. And um, you know, play is good for all of us. Yeah. It's good for all of our mental health. Um, it can even ward off dementia. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I really, yes, I, I need to get out there. I <laughs> So that's what we're creating. Um, it's really wow. a destination playground that Santa Barbara can really be proud of. Yeah. Um, and will be a highlight of our city. That's fantastic. And so people can give to this. There's naming opportunities. There's, um, and do they, do they go to nevergiveup.org? Yep, nevergiveup.org. Um, we have about a year left to raise um, four and a half million dollars. Um, but we know we can do it. This yeah. project is just, um, it's just joy and goodness. And I think we all need that, um, yeah. maybe we'll more now than there. ever. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was reading, you said something interesting in here. Grief and resilience live together. Uh, talk about resilience a little bit because, I mean, you've been through a lot and a lot of people are going through a lot right yes. now. But what, what have you learned about, well, just that, grief and mm -hmm. resilience living together? You know, that's really where our Never Give Up mantra comes from, is, you know, every, um, 
every roadblock, um, it's just that first initial effort to stand back up. And you don't have to go and run the race immediately, but you have to stand back up and take that first little step. And I feel we lived that, um, but we weren't the only ones. We saw it in, in countless others. And what was really interesting is so many people reached out to us with very different challenges, um, totally different. Um, and they were finding courage in Gwendolyn's journey and her resilience inspired them to never give up. And so really, um, you know, that's, um, I think, you know, the grief, accepting that grief is a normal part of life mm -hmm. um, and knowing that it's courageous to carry it. Um, and that doesn't mean that you stop, that you keep going while you carry it. Right. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's where our never give up shirts, we really, um, really their gift for others so that they can, on those tough days, when we were going in for a hospital, we would put our armor on and it would just be that reminder that we can keep going. Um, oh, that's beautiful. And, and you said, believing it, everyone can make a difference, we soon launched into advocacy and a dedication to create change, turning our devastating pain into purpose. Um, that that process of pain becoming purpose or your whatever, you know, there's kind of cheesy cliches about, you know, your tests can become your testimony or whatever, however you want to describe it. But that kind of beauty from ashes experience is which is what you've lived. I just I feel like that's such a wonderful message for people. We all suffer. Yes. These bodies kind of suck, if you really think about it. I mean, we're going downhill, you know. From the moment we're born. Right, from the moment we're born, it's pretty much downhill. So so thinking about the suffering that everybody experiences yeah. in their physical body in some way or the other, or a loss, or, mm -hmm. but, um, but having the ability to be resilient mm -hmm. and to see beyond, to see, you know, maybe this hurts really bad right now, mm -hmm. but maybe there's something that this is going to become. Mm -hmm. pain into purpose mm -hmm. isn't that a that's that to me that's a message that needs to like the drum we need to beat yes because people are hurting yeah i do think you know for me at the very early stages it was hard to find purpose immediately mm -hmm. but i will say in in doing something i mean we were told there's nothing you can do yeah and so, you know, just in sending those emails to legislators to help support, um, you know, uh, research legislation, funding research, we started like our something was started small and then that something became bigger and bigger. And what it did is it was empowering. So instead of feeling 100% the victim in life, we were taking um, our time with Gwendolyn and making the most of it. Um, we were empowering ourselves to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then the great thing, it felt good. It felt really good to um, be proactive instead of having all of this happen to us. Um, you know, like those subtle little shifts by taking action when by all senses you were, there's no action to really take, right. but finding that something um, it changes perspective. It changes everything. 
Um, and soon it became bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, we started um, doing things we never dreamt of. Um, and, you know, it all starts with just kind of that, again, that, that first step. Yes. What do I do? Something. Something. <laughs> Something. And I think yeah. that's where, you know, so many of us, we think of the huge thing. Right. That, uh, and then we're just too grief stricken to reach for that. Right. And it's not realistic. You don't go from babyhood to, right, you right. know, leaping over something. It, we right. all have long phases. And I think that, I think that's what, it's okay to start small. That's what, where we should start. Yeah. And see how it makes us feel. And then you grow from that. Um, and now where I am, it's, it is very different. Um, you know, losing Gwendolyn gutted me. I, um, I had experienced grief and lived with grief for her whole life from the diagnosis, but um, her death uh, rocked me to my core. Yeah. But the difference was I then knew what it felt like to be empowered and I knew immediately I would continue on in her, um, in her mission in life yeah. and um, that that would help me navigate her loss. Right. Um, yeah. And Gwendolyn's life is having a ripple impact yes. and will for maybe a long, long time. And you know, now I really can say I look at um, any, any, for all of us, um, it's an opportunity. Um, to learn more about of our, ourselves, our struggles are an opportunity to learn more about ourselves, but and also use our stories to help change the next person behind us. Right. Um, and so I think with every little thing, we should always be turning back and lifting the person next person yeah, up. That's good. Dude, was it scary to have number two and three? Dev yeah, very scary. Um, it took us a long time. Um, yeah, we didn't welcome uh, yeah. our our second child until Gwendolyn was six. Um, and I'm so glad we took the, that jump because that was honestly probably the highlight of my life was that year, Just getting to see Eleonora um, born and getting to see Gwendolyn be a big sister. Yeah. Um, she was so proud and so uh. nervous. She wanted to do such a good job. <laughs> and it was That's just so something good. I think, you know, we thought we would never see that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, when you, the, the things you think you've lost happen, it's, it feels the whole year felt like a miracle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a family. It's great to meet you. It's great to meet you. Yeah, I, I, uh, we'll be rooting for you on and supporting on this, uh, the playground project. Again, it's nevergiveup.org is the website. You can find out all about it. Um, this is a great idea. Um, so that I can't wait to, can't wait to see that. Built. Yes, me too. Yeah, so thanks for all you've done and the research stuff and, and Thank everything. You. Thank you for what you've done. It's great to meet you. Great to meet you too. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>